Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to episode 338 of Geek Town Radio. I am back this week with... Gray, how are you doing? Hello Dave, I am good, thank you. How are you? I'm very good. I'm over my COVID pretty much, so uh, that's all good. How are things in your world? You're off for a couple of weeks, so... Yes, finally got to my ace holidays. Yes, sorry I couldn't do last week. It was just a a very busy final week, but um, I am back and I suppose, even though we're quite a way into March already... I should do my top five stories of film from March. So have you got my little jingle I ready? Have, yes. Hey. So my five updates. So I'm going to skip over the story that everyone's been talking about at the Oscars, because as Daniel Radcliffe quietly put this week, who needs another opinion? Um, So let's move on to the big news from the Oscars. And that is some of our fantastic winners. Some think that may have been overshadowed by the other events. And we are all talking about the uh, quiet winner who snuck up behind and snapped it all from everyone. And that is Coda, the Apple Plus film that took best picture a fantastic opportunity for apple to show that streaming services can win the big awards as netflix has been trying to do for many years and also fantastic to see jessica chastain grabbing best actress and ariana debose won best supporting actress she is a woman both of color and who is an out homosexual woman or a lesbian however you'd like to term it but she is doing one for the lgbtq and those of color so that's fantastic for the oscars and obviously we have had the best actor we all wanted to win best actor but obviously he overshadowed by his own events so that is my first story yes um my second story is the warner's big shift is what i'm wording it as yeah. um and happened in march warner's suddenly started changing the release date for a lot of their highly anticipated films if we think about flash aquaman 2 and shazam 2 and black adam all sort of shuffling them back a little bit more to make space for them i know that they There's a lot of talk about the editing that may be taking place and therefore delaying things. But also, I wonder if they're looking around at those big slots that Disney also have as well to make sure that it's um, properly managed. Um, Obviously, we've got Avatar coming out later on in the year as well. So some things like DC League of Super Pets got put back from May to July. Black Adam put back to October. Shazam brought forward. So that's coming from June to December. Mm -hmm. And Flash... And 
Aquaman all being pushed back to 2023, I think Flash is fast becoming a, a movie that will we ever see it? It's, it's <laughs> so cursed that film. Um, yeah, I mean, had trouble sorting it out as director, had trouble getting filming. Now you've got a lead actor that's gotten himself arrested. Mm. I mean, and it seems to be a bit of a dick. So they've like halted all future projects with him. Uh, yeah, it's honestly cursed that film is absolutely so (laughs) who knows i mean i think it would have got moved regardless of you know after this happened regardless of all the other stuff we shifted around i suspect that would have got shifted anyway so yeah we'll have to see what happens with that lots of big shifting um my third big story is deadpool 3 finally got announced at the very latter end of march sean levy fresh off his the adam project and before that Free Guy, a huge, obviously, collaborator with Ryan Reynolds, has signed on to make Deadpool 3. All we know so far is it's going to feature Ryan Reynolds. There's no other details. <laughs> and there's lots of great fan theories out there that he's going to appear in Doctor Strange. Then there's um, clips of him with some of the X-Men again. Then there's clips with him with some of the Spider-Men. And yeah. like, I say Spider-Men in the plural, um, but I think a lot of it is fan art. And that can quickly trick people yeah. uh, a couple of times, especially at the beginning of April. We all got to watch out for those April Fools. You're looking and you're seeing these um, fan art pictures of, Ryan Reynolds with a, a Spider-Man or something and you're thinking no really and then you're just like oh I'm just yes. still get too excited uh, but that's really exciting love Deadpool 1 and Deadpool 2 yeah. um, and looking forward to 3 coming out as well and Free Guy was great as well I haven't seen The Adam Project yet but uh, I thought Free Guy was wonderful I, and of course yeah. Sean Levy heavily involved in Stranger Things as well yeah. and he has worked with Wolverine before because one of his earlier films he directed was Real Steel which had Hugh Jackman in it so so you know maybe there's a chance for a Hugh Jackman Wolverine cameo possibly in there you never know (laughs) we're all hoping that yes yes we are we'll see uh, and story number four, long forgotten since the Oscars, but the BAFTAs actually took place in March, everybody. Um, the, that really sort of puts it home for those awards in England, sets the standard for the Oscars. And while we had some absolutely fantastic results, uh, so The Power of the Dog, that won, but obviously Coda was not in the best film yes. list for BAFTAs. Interestingly, because Jessica Chastain wasn't in the list, our winner was a beautiful, brilliant English actor actress and that's Joanna Scanlon but she wasn't nominated for the Oscar so it's really interesting this year that you have that complete contrast a lovely independent film who I've seen amazing things about I've looked at trailers on it in in my own classroom looked absolutely fantastic after love that the film is um and Joanna Scanlon took the award and that was really really good and she was up against um one of the lead actresses from Coda Amelia Jones so it's really interesting that she took that but Jane Campion was the big winner at the BAFTA she snatched two awards and then Will Smith obviously did win the BAFTA and then went on to win the Oscar as well Ariana DeBose again which was mentioned earlier and Troy Kutzer as well so as much as it does um, sort of trend BAFTAs to Oscars I think Joanna Scanlon has a fantastic award there and that did leave Jessica Chastain in a very open category because of the there was no BAFTA
BAFTA winner in the list as well. June, so, June did very well again there, yeah, mostly in technical awards. Technical but it, awards, yeah. yeah. It, it still did very well. So Yeah, fantastic. And uh, then my final story, and it's a bit of a sad story really, and I'm sure many of you will have seen this posted just around about the Oscars. The family of Bruce Willis did post that he is no longer going to be making films. And just a few days later, the Golden Raspberry Awards or the Razzie Awards, if anyone follows those, withdrew their category they'd made specifically about Bruce Willis movies made in 2021 out of respect for his um, sort of sad announcement that he's retiring due to his illness where he is struggling to remember things and he will therefore not be appearing in any films. So I'm sure many of the huge fans out there of the diehards and that are, are going to be sad to, to know that Bruce isn't going to be racing us with his presence in films. And although, you know, some of his parts were questionable, to say the <laughs> least, um, there are some fantastic memories. Um, I mean, for example, I'm a huge fan of Pulp Fiction. I've had to teach that in the classroom as well. And to know that's where, you know, he really sort of got his real acting chops from. He wasn't all just an action superstar. He really had some some great sort of parts as well. And yeah. then all the way forward to things like Armageddon as yeah. well, which, you know, I I know I loved as I was growing up and uh, you know it's a sad sad story but um, done in a really sensitive way not hidden from us remind me very much of like how Michael J Fox wanted to share it with his fans to know what was going on in his life and I think that was really good of the Willis family to share that news as well yeah it's such a shame and it, it particularly for I mean for anybody aphasia is a horrible illness particularly though for somebody who is an actor where your entire job is to recite and remember lines and this is an illness that stops you talking and stops you being able to remember and recite things and it, it just awful illness generally but um yeah i i really feel for him and much respect to the razzies for i mean yeah the razzies are a fun sort of thing and the fact that they took that category out because they're saying it's not really fair to judge him on performances that have possibly been affected by his illness i think that's very good of them mm -hmm. but uh, some of his choices haven't been the best in terms of parts <laughs> but he seems to be he seems to have been sort of trying to get as many films out as he possibly could i think he possibly knew something was up and yeah maybe that's um, why but would you have it i think um we've got a few more that are still in post-production yes um i think we've got one coming up very soon called corrective measures which is a big one starring michael rooker but i believe he's got them right through until the later part of this year he's filmed about six or seven movies either in main parts uh you know yeah um, supporting parts or cameos so um, there are definitely a few more films of Bruce Willis yet before we're saying that's his final performance but um, yeah. that's the sad news and yes. that Dave are my five stories from March film updates excellent uh, um, so I go on a little bit about what I've been watching and I think it has been a real joy for this job now that I'm working a little bit more local I've reconnected with the cinema a little bit more and I now go more regularly with my friend we meet straight after work and we go and see a film so just just in the last few weeks at the cinema, two grown adult men went and watched Sing 2, which <laughs> is a classic. Um, it was just one of those weeks where we realised we didn't have anything that we did want to watch, so we decided to go for that. And then I followed that up with The Batman, also see Morbius, and then this last week just gone, we went and saw Ambulance, and then at home on Netflix, I decided to watch The Bubble. Yes. Um, so out of all of those, they all have their good qualities, but they also have their flaws as well. Just a quick rundown of those. So Morbius, a great addition to the Sony part of the universe. However, 
for a vampire-based film, it was very unbloody mm. and they overdid it, overcooked on the graphics, in my opinion. Just too much movement and whizzing and lots of like fast-moving graphics. So sometimes you didn't understand what quite what was going on and it was a bit too busy for the eyes. Jared Leto is very good, but I wasn't coming out telling everyone about it. I was like, oh, it was all right. Yeah, given the reviews I've seen of it, it was all right is probably one of the more positive reviews that I've <laughs> yeah. seen of that film. Uh, this is coming from someone who hasn't watched Venom either. And my friend who I went with said oh, it's very much in the vein of Venom in terms of it's trying to do what it can do, but it's throwing too much in the terms of like graphics and CGI at the story right. and not fleshing out the characters enough. Yeah. And I could see that. So that's. That was Morbius. The Bubble, this Netflix comedy about a film being made in a COVID secure bubble. It's a long film, lots of great actors in it, but I genuinely found myself uh, like an hour and a half in just looking the other way and going to my phone and then picking up a magazine. And it just, it was a good concept but they could have done it a little bit funnier, a little bit tighter. They didn't need to put it over two hours. You've got some really good acting people in there, including like Pedro Pascal, David Duchovny, absolutely amazing stars. And yet they just stretched it too long, made it too long, made it like disappointing um, in terms of what I was looking forward to. The Batman, another long film. I can appreciate the film, but I feel it was too long and too stretchy, big dialogue scenes to try and move things on. And it just became too much. And if we had to have another meeting between Catwoman and the Batman to discuss something which I felt like they discussed three other times, there was a perfect cutting point midway through the film with a big action sequence featuring the Penguin. And I felt like that could have been a good ending, but no, there was another ending. And then after that, there was another ending. And then after that, it just sort of like went on. And I actually think it was the first movie for many years where I actually had to leave to go to the toilet midway through. And normally (laughs) I can hold it, I can manage it, but I was a bit like, no, it's getting to me. And the ambulance quickly, uh, Michael Bay, it was all over Michael Bay. It was painted Michael Bay with Michael Bay colours, all swishy (laughs) camera angles and lots of swooping cameras and it was what it was. It was quite enjoyable, ridiculous in places, the right sort of length and good to see Jake Gyllenhaal putting his chops around like a, a real villain that you sort of love. And I so say, what, what I'm trying to say, Dave, is out of those five films, Sing 2 was my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> As I come to sing too, nothing really to, to to moan about. It was a great, good story, right length, good songs. It was well animated. It followed on neatly from the last one. It wasn't just paying service to the first one and felt like a second one. Absolutely, you know, laugh out loud moments. And so out of all of those five that I did see, the one where two adults are in a movie watching a big cartoon, it's the one <laughs> I would recommend when it comes out onto our streaming services. Um And on TV, I was really, really quiet. And I'm going to wrap up now because I've hardly been watching anything. I've been watching Moon Knight, first two episodes, and I was told to go and watch Peacemaker, mainly for the opening sequence, which had me and my friend in absolute tears. And so we're going to be watching that alongside Moon Knight. Every time we go and watch Moon Knight, we're going to watch an episode of Peacemaker as well because we're enjoying that. And apart from that, I'm going to wrap up there and say, Dave, what have you been doing in the last week? Well, I have got to some... uh, 
newer shows as well. Uh, the opening of Peacemaker, by the way, is is just an astounding bit of TV. <laughs> I, I just and that win awards. <laughs> yes. Uh, for, uh, what was it? He, James Gunn said something about like the fast forward button is my enemy, which is why he made the uh, opening credit sequence so ludicrous. But um, yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. That and Moon Knight's been fantastic as well. Mm. We talked a bit about that last week. In terms of other shows that I've been watching, Hacks I got to the end of the first season of that, which is on Prime Video right now. Mm. That's the comedy which is about this sort of aging Las Vegas comedian played by Gene Smart, and she gets sort of paired with this young writer that's being cancelled because of a tweet, and they both have the same agent, and the agent kind of manages to get this sort of older comedian to take her on to try and sort of refresh the material, but neither of them really want to work with each other. It's brilliant. It's been nominated for multiple Emmys, won multiple Emmys, particularly for Gene Smart. Very, very, very well written. The relationship between the two of them, and you see that sort of turn from hatred to sort of respect to, you know, kind of love, and they start to appreciate each other. It's really good and wonderfully constructed. It's eight or ten episodes, I think, and they're only half an hour each, so it's not all that long. But uh, it's a HBO Max series in the US. It's on Prime Video over here. It's called Hacks. Well, well worth watching. I talked a bit about it last week, but uh, yeah, and now I've got to the end of it. I Just brilliant. And I'm really looking forward to the second season of that dropping. Raised by Wolves return for its second season as well. I got to that and was like, I was about to start watching it. Then I was sort of, I can't remember exactly what happened at the end of last season. So I found a really good recap video on YouTube. If you just go onto YouTube and Raised by Wolves season one recap, there was a really good video that came up that ran through kind of all the major plot points of the first season which helped quite a lot to sort of lead me in because there is no sort of previously on at the start of that so uh, if you're going into the second season you might want to go and watch it I'm enjoying it, it's not quite up there with some of the other good sci-fi that's out there, I think it's well put together, it's an interesting premise you've got these sort of atheists that are up against this sort of ultra-religious group and you've got factions that are moving backwards and forwards between the two they're trying to sort of colonize this alien planet you've got the androids in there as well and the kids and it sort of pretty much picks up where you left season one um but uh yeah i mean solid enough it is all up on sky right now uh, although it is going out weekly but you can go and get it all on sky box sets and on now if you want to go and get that the new show that i watched this week is called slow horse and it's Mm -hmm. on Apple TV. It is a spy thriller and it's brilliant. It opens with sort of almost something that you might see out of spooks. You know, it's kind of group of people in a slick office. There's some sort of op going, which is going on at this airport. They're trying to track somebody down. You've got this young, good looking lad that's the leading man who is a guy called Jack Loudon, who's playing a character called River Cartwright. He was in Fighting With My Family, I think. He's been in War and Peace, I think, on the BBC miniseries. He was in that as well. So he's, he's, he's been in a sort of number of things. He's your sort of macho leading man type of guy that you would have, like I say, seen on Spooks. He's going after this guy. Something goes wrong on that op without giving too much away, but that is the basic premise of the entire thing. That's sort of all pre-credits, and you end up joining him again a few months later. He's been exiled to this place called Slough House. 
which is essentially where all the screw-ups get sent. And it's run by a guy called Jackson Lamb, who's played by Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman's, I mean, brilliant being Gary Oldman, obviously, but he's very much a supporting character in this. He's the guy that sort of runs the office. And you're not sure whether he's there because he's screwed up or whether he's just sort of burnt out and it's sort of a retirement gig for him, you know. But clearly everybody in that office has been sent there for a reason. Something that they've done, something that's got wrong, and they've got exiled to Slough House because they couldn't fire them, so they've shoved them all in this one place. They're dull, paper-pushing kind of jobs. They've got him kind of sorting through bits of rubbish. And it becomes apparent that there is something that they're looking at which might have some sort of bigger impact on the larger kind of MI5. So that's where the story starts to sort of go. And obviously River, who's the lead character, is trying to impress people still, even though he's been exiled to this terrible sort of little backwater office. So he starts to investigate much of the annoyance of like the people around him. So it's really well written. It's very, very funny as well. Um, it's written by Will Smith, not that one (laughs) uh he was he was one of the co-writers and one of the producers on veep it isn't an out and out comedy it is very much a drama up there in the level of your sort of decent jeb mercurio bbc dramas i mean i would say it is up there but it does have that sort of level of british humor to it as well there is a sort of mix in there but it is still a very solid thriller it's also got Christian Scott Thomas in there who playing the posh leader of the proper MI5 bit. There's a number of other faces in there as well that you might recognise. Jonathan Price pops up, Olivia Cook. So it's got a solid cast. Very interesting story. It's going out weekly. I think there are three or four episodes or the fourth episode goes out this week. So um, really, really interesting, well put together story with a sort of comical kind of... Uh, if you ever watch something like No Offence, there's sort of that level of you know serious drama but humor in there that kind Mm. of thing i've seen a lot of advertising for it and i've recently got my apple plus subscription so i'm trying to think of a few things that i'd like to watch obviously there's such good content now and i I hear you and matt talking about it quite regularly and it's just there is so much content how much can i get through in the next five and a half months while i've got (laughs) this membership it's highly likely that i'm going to keep it on um i've started with uh, the after party and central park just as two of them, but every time I open it up to watch those two, some fantastic new ones are also being advertised, and I'm just like, oh, God, they really are raising their game, and uh, it pays off to be slow and steady, and not just throw loads of content out without big lots of like notice and advertising. So yeah, I mean, the original programming on Apple TV is really really impressive they've done such a good job with all their stuff pretty much you've got the morning show you've got for all mankind both of which are brilliant c is a great sort of sci-fi show servant i know matt absolutely loves which is the horror series there's a truth be told which is the sort of true crime legal drama foundation which is a phenomenal piece of sci-fi tv severance which is the very weird workplace 
place thriller. You've got Slow Horses, as I just mentioned, as well as like comedies like Mythic Quest, which is just brilliant. Ted Lasso, obviously, is on there. Dickinson. Yeah, I mean, they've done such an incredible job, not to mention various films as well that are also free up on there. It is well worth turning it on, even if you only put it on for a few months. Or, I mean, you know, if you've got an Apple product, the chances are you've got like a free subscription to it. You might not have just activated it yet, but it is, there's enough content on there. It's well worth going to uh, Mm. look through. Definitely. That's all the stuff I've been watching this week. There was one other thing, of course, which I don't know whether we want to talk a little bit about, the uh, potential sale of Channel 4. Um, yeah, it's it's tough. Um, I know I don't know if I've mentioned it before. I did it as my dissertation when I was at university. I wrote a lot about the future of Channel 4 in the digital age when it was struggling about 20 years ago before they sort of went out with their other channels and made them all free, like E4 and Film 4 and More 4. It's a little bit sad. I feel it's a bitter warning from the government to sort of say what they're going to do with some of our treasured liberal and experimental parts of our media and culture. I just so appreciate what Channel 4 do and how they push the boundary but I strongly think that some of the things they've pushed, especially with a lot of mocking of the government and some of the dramas and comedy and sketch shows that they commission, which does mock the government, has probably not helped the situation. (laughs) Um, I think until we know what this will mean in terms of who will be the big person funding it, we could be lucky. We could have a someone who likes its unique style and likes what it does and wants to retain some of that, mm-hmm. but maybe just puts in a lot more overseas programming, you yeah. know, and Channel 4 does have its fair share, but they could flood it a little bit more and take out some of those things that are probably being watched by 200,000 people on a Friday lunchtime, <laughs> which we all love and is all like a staple. It's, you know, a location far from the home or in the sun or Grand Design show me how to dine with a friend sort of thing, all these shows. But I can imagine the stripping a lot of that out and bringing in more overseas content and upping the advertising but yeah i'll wait and anticipate what's going to happen but it is sad that this government are going this way and it just shows what they potentially would then be looking to do with the bbc and then later down the line with the nhs i'm sure but let's not get political straight away (laughs) no no i mean the issue with channel 4 has always been that the unique way it's funded in that it doesn't take any license fee money despite the fact that the culture secretary not understanding that, but it doesn't actually take any money off the government. Mm. It is entirely funded by its own advertising. And that means it doesn't have a studio that backs it up. Whereas, you know, the BBC makes its own shows, Sky makes its own shows, Channel 4 doesn't have that, which means that it is one of the few homes where a lot of independent and interesting and different things can get made. And the people that sell the stuff to Channel 4 and make it for Channel 4 retain ownership of it. The ownership Mm. isn't by Channel 4. So for the indie sector, it's very important. The 
flip side of that is it's very restrictive in the way that it's funded because when they then start buying things in like I get a lot of questions about when's the second half of Batwoman coming onto E4 and the problem is that if they're running it and they haven't got a sponsor for it they can't put the second half on it's one of the same problems they had with Supernatural they were struggling to find people to sponsor that segment and find a segment where they could put it on now arguably part of that was because they held on to the things for too long and people went and watched them elsewhere but the problem is that if they run something out and they don't think it's going to make money for them they pull it from the schedule or they try to maximize the amount of money that they can get for their acquisitions understandably but it makes it a lot more restrictive so with something like batwoman the problem will be that they're trying to find a slot where they think it will work and will actually make its money back and at the moment they're struggling to find the advertising for it i suspect Mm. that's the reason why it's not come back on yet it's an interesting one because the model doesn't work but the model itself is the thing that allows them to create this unique stuff for the UK indie film and TV, you know, and helps them support that. So it's a tricky one. Something has to change with it, I think, because I don't think they can carry on the way that they're going necessarily. Mm. But I don't think just flogging them to somebody else is the way to do it either. So there are issues there that need sorting out. But it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with that. Because, I mean, of course, although they have announced the plans to sell it, there's still no guarantee that that will actually go through. and and it will actually happen so we'll see what happens it's tricky and i hope it stays in public ownership but they do need to do something to sort out how they fund it as well whatever that is there are issues there that need sorting but either that or just stop buying imports (laughs) (laughs) which which i'd be fine with you know let the imports go to people that can actually manage them that's all the stuff that's been happening over the last few weeks anyway time to move on to some tv and film news 
comedy that's been renewed by Amazon for a second season. The Cleaning Lady, which hasn't aired over here yet, that's a Fox series, but that's been renewed for a second season. Severance, which you mentioned earlier, that's one of the Apple TV Plus series, that's been renewed for a second season. And Larry David has confirmed that Kirby, your enthusiasm, will be back for a 12th season after he took about like a five-year break or something. But uh, (laughs) yes, he's now back again. In terms of pickups and other news, the Duffer Brothers have confirmed that every single episode of Stranger Things Season 4 is over an hour long. So wow. you know that Season 4 is split into two parts, and we didn't know whether that was because there were more episodes or what, but it seems like it's not because there are more episodes. It's because all the episodes which previously have been sort of, well, some of them were like 35 minutes, but it's Netflix, so they can make them as long as they felt they needed to, but they were varying quite a lot in length they've said that for season four every episode is over an hour and they basically did say that it's the longest season that they made so that's why they've split it in two is because there's quite a lot of it um Mm. that's something to look forward to when that launches which is relatively soon it's uh was it June, I think. Mm, uh, I think so. I'm, um, I'm on a task to try and watch it because I didn't properly watch it when it was first out. Right. Um, so my other half has given me the task to try and watch it before the final seasons yes. um, sort of come to air. So I was like, okay, all right, <laughs> if I must. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've, I'm literally on ep- season one, episode two, I think I'm on already. So uh, yeah, I'm going to make my way slowly through that. It's a great, great show. 27th of May, the fourth season comes out and then it's split into two parts and then it's been renewed for a fifth and final season as well so you've got a bit of time before the fifth season (laughs) Brooklyn Nine-Nine speaking of E4 as we were has finally got an air date for its eighth and final season 20th of April that's landing on E4 again probably the similar problem of not having a sponsor for it but again if you hadn't held on for it for so long but Wednesday the 20th of April at 9pm it's premiering with a double bill I don't know whether that going to continue every week with the double bill but I suspect it probably will Wednesday 20th of April at 9pm on E4 for season 8 of Brooklyn Nine-Nine Inside number 9 is back as well that's for the 7th season that's on the 20th of April that's at 10pm on BBC 2 and of course on iPlayer Lincoln Lawyer which is a new series coming on the 13th of May to Netflix this is based on the Michael Colony novels there was also a film as well um, yeah, that, um, oh, who is that? Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey, yes. Yeah. This doesn't have Matthew McConaughey in it. <laughs> this is from David E. Kelly, who, of course, is the person behind Bid Little Lies and Ali McBeal and a million other things. He is the man that has created this version of it. It's got Manuel Garcia Ruflo is the lead role in it. He plays the Lincoln lawyer, who is uh, Mickey Haller, an iconoclast idealist who runs his law practice out of the backseat of a Lincoln town car that's the sort of basic setup for it Mm -hmm. i seem to remember this was originally pitched to cbs and they decided not to take it and then went over to netflix so it may feel a bit more like a network drama thing than like a straight netflix show but david e kelly's a good name behind it i don't really know the lead actress but season one is apparently based on the second book in the series which is called the brass verdict and it's 10 one hour episodes for that first season tokyo vice has found a uk home that's coming to stars play that's on the 15th of 
May. For All Mankind, they've announced today that the third season of that is coming the 10th of June on Apple TV. That's brilliant. And I know you're not hugely into sci-fi, but this is less sci-fi and more alt history. And it's really well done. The central premise of it is what if the Russians beat America to the Mm. moon and what would that do to the space race moving forward? And it starts off in the sort of 60s, 70s, and then second season moves into the 80s, the third season moves into the 90s. So it's how it changed and accelerated the space race because of that one thing. Season three of For All Mankind, 10th of June on Apple TV, that is. We Own This City, they've announced, is going to be landing on June on Sky Atlantic. This is the big new show, which is from David Simon, who is the creator of The Wire, and George Pelicanos, who also wrote on The Wire as well. Stars John Berthnall, of course, from Punisher and Walking Dead. It's pretty much the sort of thing you would expect from David Simon. It's about corrupt cops. It's the rise and fall of Baltimore's police department gun trace task force. Given the people that are behind it, David Simon, who is responsible for The Wire, John Berthnall is the lead in there. There's a number of other faces you all recognise, some of which are from The Wire as well. Looks like it's going to be really, really solid. The director of it is the director of King Richard as well. So Ah. um, it's got a really, really good team behind it. Don't know exactly when in June that's coming, but June on Sky Atlantic and now that will land. And that's called We Own This City. Also coming onto Sky, Flight Ascendant Season 2, that's going to be landing on the 26th of May. That's coming to Sky Max and on to now. And uh, sticking with shows which are HBO Max series in the US, BBC Three has picked up one very much on a different tack called F-Boy Island. So that is a dating show uh, of sorts. I was going to say, I've all heard what that phrase means. (laughs) Yes. um, Three women all looking to get into serious relationship with men who really care about them. They have 24 guys to choose from, except only half of them are actually looking for a relationship. The other half are self-confessed bad boys who are only there to win the cash prize. Uh, It's hosted by comedian Nikki Glaser. Yeah, do with that what you will. I don't know when that's going to be landing. It'll be on BBC Three at some point. It's called F Boy (laughs) Island. But um, (laughs) yes, if you're into those sort of horrendous dating shows, then that's one of you to look out for. They had one on Channel Four. Joel Domit hosted. It was the other way around. It was a guy looking for a date, and it was a group of women, but a lot of them were in relationships already and were only there for the money. And he had to try and work out. And if he felt they were fake, he dropped them through this hatch, and they (laughs) fell through this hatch. And then you'd get the VT at the end, and they'd be revealing whether they were already in a relationship or not. Ah, So it has it has been done in the UK already. Yes, well, there you go. There's a US version of it for you, but that's coming (laughs) at some point to BBC Three. I haven't got a date for that yet. To be honest, I can't be bothered to go and look one up. Uh, (laughs) And the other bit of news that dropped this week: Richard Osmond is stepping back from Pointless, so he will no longer be doing the regular shows. He's he's still doing the celebrity shows, and they're going to have guest co-hosts come in to do the regular main show, Mm. which is a little bit of a shame. He's still doing House of Games, he said. So he's still doing that. He's doing the celebrity versions of Pointless, but his writing has basically taken over because, you know, he's become quite a successful author and he needs more time to do that. So, uh, yes, he's stepping back from being co-host of Pointless. I I was, you know, I was on Pointless. 
pointless Dave many years ago. I know, ago. I know. Yeah. You've mentioned that and before. So he was in Hayward Heath this weekend, which is obviously where I live because that's where he's from. Right. Um, and it was his mum's birthday. So there were some uh, pictures of him coming back down to the area. And obviously, if you read his books, obviously I've read his books, you almost feel like part of it is to do with around here as well. So I'm, sure I'm a is, huge yeah. fan of him in the area. And also sat in a tea room with Ramesh Ranganathan today. So all the celebs are around <laughs> here, I tell you. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Awesome. So, yes, there's going to be some changes later this year, they've said, to Pointless, you know, because they tape them like five or six a day of those things. So they're going to be changes, but not until later this year on Pointless. So you've still got Richard around for a little bit. Moving on to some other news, Star Trek Picard announced a bunch of cast for the third, and they've also said his final season of Star Trek Picard. It's wrapping up the whole Star Trek Picard thing. They've announced that a bunch of the Next Generation cast will be joining Patrick Stewart for the final outing. You've got LeVar Burton, Michael Dorn, Jonathan Frakes, Gates McFadden, Marina Sirtis, and Brent Spiner are all coming back for the third season. So basically, it's the bridge crew of the Next Generation Enterprise essentially have been announced. Sirtis and Freights previously were in the first season. They had cameo roles in that. Spiner's been in and out of the show for the last couple of seasons as well, although not always playing Data. He's been playing other characters. This will actually be the first reunion of the cast since 2002 in Star Trek Nemesis. I mean, I'm sure they've been at conventions and stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, on screen it'll be the first reunion since Nemesis. And it does sound like they are bringing them back all onto a ship to do an adventure together rather than them just popping up. It does sound like it is going to be a sort of next generation now series. So he is getting the old crew back together. That seems to be what they're implying. And I think they've actually shot that already. They did release the tiniest of trailers when they announced it, but it, it really didn't show you much. It was just shots of the people and some voiceover and stuff. So there wasn't a lot in there. I'm very much looking forward to that. I think that's a nice way to sort of wrap that all up and give him a send off if he's not going to come back and do the character again. Oh, he's got to focus on his multiverse that we all know that he's in. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I think that's a nice way of rounding that off. If they don't want to do any more right now, I'm sure they could spin off other characters. And I mean, I would love to see a, a Riker series. If they can get Riker back into a captain's chair, that would be great. You know, something like that. But we'll see. Netflix has announced a new comedy which will star Rob Lowe and Rob Lowe's son, <laughs> who is called John Owen Lowe. It's from the person that created Santa Clarita Diet. It's a very different sort of show to Santa Clarita Diet, but it's a new scripted comedy. It's co-created by the Lowe's and Victor Fresno, who was the creator of Santa Clarita Diet. It's a series set in a cutting-edge biotech research company following an introvert, socially challenged son who goes to work for his very successful, wildly eccentric father in order to save him from disaster. It's something akin to art imitating life. The comedy is inspired by Rob and John Owen Lowe's social media relationship in which John Owen often humorously trolls his dad. Their posts often go viral and have been extensively covered in the media. That's the basis for it. Yeah. (laughs) 
decent person behind it. I mean, Santa Clarita Diet, I know a lot of people loved. Uh, he also was the creator of Better Off Ted as well. And uh, Andy Richter controls the universe. He's written on My Name is Earl and Mad About You and a whole bunch of other things. So he's a really solid writer to be working with. Rob Lowe is incredibly watchable. I haven't seen his son in anything, although he has been in a number of things. It's not like he just got the job through nepotism. But uh, any interest in this? Yeah, I think I will be interested. But isn't Robin 911 at the moment? Yes, he is. My guess is this is probably what, like a 10 episode, half hour comedy series, I would think. So you could probably do this in the downtime between that and doing 911 Lone Star. Okay. Yeah. Because 911 Lone Star is going to be 16 episodes, I think. So there's enough space to be able to do this sort of show and that sort of show. Because, I mean, you can knock this out fairly quickly, probably. Because if you're doing it like a standard sitcom, it will be standing sets and it's not lots of having to go out and shoot things and stuff. You can do it all mm. at, at a studio. So it's probably okay to do both. Unless they suddenly end up killing him off at the end of season. I don't know. But, oh, no. But <laughs> well, I, he could have died about four times by now if you're following the character. <laughs> well, that is true. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully that isn't the case because I do no. like him on that show. But I suspect that there is enough space in his schedule to be able to do both of them, I would have thought. Yeah. Over on Apple TV, they've landed a huge name for one of their new big comedies. It's called Shrinking and Harrison Ford is going to be joining this. It's he'd already got a fairly impressive group behind it because it's Bill Lawrence and Brett Goldstein who are the people that created Ted Lasso which of course have won all the awards recently. Jason Segel was the other creator of it who of course you know from How I Met Your Mother and yeah. all the movies and stuff. Now they've added Harrison Ford. Shrinking follows a grieving therapist played by Jason Segel who starts to break the rules and tell his clients exactly what he thinks. Ignoring his training and ethics, he finds himself making huge tumultuous changes to people's lives, including his own. Ford is taking the role of Dr. Phil Rhodes, a down-to-earth, sharp-as-attack, blue-collar shrink, blunt but with an ever-present twinkle. Phil is a pioneer in cognitive behavioural therapy who has built a successful practice over the years that he shares with his two young protégés, Jimmy and Gabby. Fiercely independent, Phil has recently been diagnosed with Parkinson's which forces him out of his comfort zone as he grapples with intrusive friends and his estranged family and his legacy. It's really the first major TV role for Harrison Ford because he's done bits and pieces and he's popped up in guest spots like Young Indie Chronicles, the uh, the infamous Star Wars holiday special, of course. And he's popped up as sort of guest spots as characters in shows here and there. But this is really his first actual major TV role. I mean, this sounds like it could be great because the people involved behind it are wonderful yeah good set of people another sort of apple tv show that i suspect will be knocking it out of the park again so don't know when that's coming but they're casting at the moment so i suspect it we won't see that until next year but it's called shrinking anyway and it's another thing coming to apple tv plus hmm. lastly this week orphan black is getting a spin-off series or continuation or well it's not entirely clear exactly what it's going to be it sort of seems to be something that's set in the same universe as the original so they can still use some of the characters if they want to but it sounds like it's going to be an entirely separate thing. It's called Orphan Black Echoes. It's been ordered by AMC who if you remember the original Orphan Black went out on BBC America over there and AMC co-owned BBC America with BBC Studios which is why it's ordered by AMC. Orphan Black Echoes, it's set in a near future. The new series will follow a group of women as they weave their
their way into each other's lives and embark on a thrilling journey unraveling the mystery of their identity uncovering a wretched story of love and betrayal that's the setup for it presumably it's going to evolve around clones because that's what the first thing this is the tatiana maslani one is it yes am i I right in thinking yeah i didn't watch it but i've heard loads about it and obviously she's off doing she hulk now so yes so it isn't going to be her and she was absolutely phenomenal in that role as uh sarah manning and all the other clones that came out of that basically because she played regularly like five different roles on that show quite often in the scenes together which i mean it's a phenomenal performance it's it really is worth watching because you completely forget that it's the same actress playing all the different roles and she must be playing against either a stand-in or against nothing when she's doing it i Mm. mean it is just a phenomenal piece of work the original orphan black it's a daunting set of shoes to step into whoever actually had to land whatever the lead role is for this presumably is going to be again playing multiple roles you would have think yeah Uh, it's being written this time around by Anna Fishko, who wrote Pieces of Her, which we talked about a few weeks ago, which is a Netflix drama, which was really quite good. She's going to be showrunner and exec producer on it, along with John Fawcett, who is co-creator and director of the original series. And it's also got a bunch of other people that worked on the original show involved in the exec producing and in the background and stuff. So it is sort of from the same team, mm. which is good. Just a different showrunner. Certainly one to look out for, I think. No idea where it'll land over here because it is AMC and they don't always run things on their own channel. They sometimes sell them to other people. So we'll see where that lands. But uh, yeah, that's called Orphan Black Echoes. So when we know a bit more about that, we'll let you know. (laughs) That's all the news we've got for this week. Just time for some highlights for next week on TV. Next week on TV, we have... Taskmaster returning for its 13th season. This is on Channel 4 and it's uh, 14th of April. That is landing at 9pm, so you can go and catch that. Anatomy of a Scandal, which is a new drama coming to Netflix. That is coming on the 15th of April. That's an insightful and suspensional series about the sexual consent scandal amongst British privilege elite and the women's calls in his wake. It's based on the international best-selling novel. That's one to look out for. Almost Paradise, which we talked a little bit about coming to IMDb TV. That's on the 15th of April. That's a new crime drama which stars Christian Kane. It's from the people that did stuff like The Librarians and Leverage. That gives you some idea of the type of thing it is. That's IMDb TV on the 15th of April. That's Almost Paradise. Raw, which is a new series coming to Apple TV on the 15th of April. It's a genre-bending anthology series that weaves together eight darkly comedic feminist fables that take unexpected approaches to the subject like gender roles, autonomy and identity. That's called Raw coming the 15th of April. Doctor Who is back for a one-off holiday special that is on the 17th of April. That's Easter Sunday. That has the sea devils in it in this one. That will be the penultimate one for Jodie Whittaker and Chris Chibnall as well. There'll be one more coming sort of some point in the autumn and that'll be a lot for those two before Mm -hmm. Russell T Davies takes over next year with a new Doctor, whoever that happens to be. We should have an announcement soon, right? Yeah, I mean, maybe some point in between this going out and the autumn, so maybe some point over the summer they'll make an announcement, but Mm. we'll see. You never know, they may do something at the end of this, but I mean, who knows? One of the days where you'd get... 
Zoe Ball hosting a Saturday night show revealing who the well, cast member would be. I yeah. remember watching that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did that for Peter Capaldi, didn't they? I seem yeah, to remember. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Jodie got a video, I think. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, all got different as it got further and further away from David Tennant series. The, yes. the reveal got less and less extravagant. <laughs> yes, we'll see. But I'm looking forward to Russell T Davies coming back on that. But uh, yes, I have enjoyed like, yeah. Jodie. Jodie's been great. Chris's writing has been up and down, but he's been better. The last, Certainly the last couple of seasons has been much better. Fear the Walking Dead returns for season 7B. That's on AMC. That's on the 18th of April at 2am. So they're obviously simulcasting that, I'm assuming, with the US if they're doing it on 18th of April. It will then, about 12 months later, land on Amazon UK. You can actually go and buy it from Amazon Video, but it also comes for free onto Prime Video after about 12 months as well. The King, which is a new series coming to Sky Atlantic. It's a high-stakes prison drama. Drama. I think it's got the people that involve Wingamora, so it's an Italian thing, but that could be one to look out for if you like that sort of stuff. That's coming to Sky Atlantic on the 19th of April at 10pm, and that's called The King. Pacific Rim The Black is back for its second and final season. That's an anime series set in the Pacific Rim universe. That's coming to Netflix on the 19th of April. And Better Call Saul is back for the first bit of season six, the sixth and final season, which I am hugely looking forward to. We will, of course, be covering that over on Entertainment Talk with Matt. I think we're doing a preview podcast for it this week that is coming to netflix on the 19th of april go and check out the preview podcast when matt releases that later in the week over on entertainmenttalk.org that is everything lots of stuff for this week lots of good tv around there's even more coming after this as well it's quite a good month for tv at the moment and it's a good month for all the geek town co-hosts birthdays as well because we're getting ever closer (laughs) yes that is true that pretty much everybody has a birthday coming up in the next four weeks weeks so yes. uh yes if people want to find you and at some point wish you happy birthday where can they find you come and follow me over on twitter at gray the geek that's gray with an a see me celebrating geeky stuff and complaining about consumer rights and you can see my uh, latest tweet about going to see moulin rouge the musical this weekend i know we're not a musicals podcast awesome. but it's a, it was based on a film and obviously yeah. i'm the film guy so you know that was important as well so excellent I'm sure that'll be wonderful for other people involved in the show you can of course go and find Bex over on twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites that's B-Y-T-E-S if you want to see Bex in real life she is actually going to be hosting at Insomnia Gaming Festival in Birmingham this weekend she's hosting a number of panels on one of the stages you can go and find her up there if you happen to be over at Insomnia Gaming Festival this weekend which is on for four days from Friday to Monday over Easter you can go and find Bex hosting on one of the stages over there so go and say hello you can find matt over on entertainmenttalk.org for lots and lots more podcasts we've got the finale of the walking dead coming up which will be going out this week on wednesday as i said we're also doing a preview for better call soul so we're jumping from walking dead onto better call soul from now on 
And for Daryl, you can go to hollywoodnorthnews.net for all those TV series you love which are shot in Canada. For us, of course, you can go to the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information. If you want to get in touch with your questions or comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown, and on Instagram at geektownuk. That is everything. We shall see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.